Hey y'all, I'm Sarah, a queer, feminine, disabled digital media consultant with a background in community organizing. And this is not your average digital marketing podcast. I'm up to rebrand influencer culture for the better, highlighting social issues, things you should give a fuck about, and helping folks understand the connection between social media and social change. Join me on this journey to help make influencer culture a tool for our collective liberation. Hey, y'all, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Influencing the Influencers. I'm your host, Sarah, and I'm so happy to be back with you. We are chugging along at season one, which I'm here to tell you all is going to wrap up at episode 25. Okay, so we are headed there, and then I'm going to take a little bit of a break, get some more episodes recorded, get them banked up for you all so that I can have, again, a more consistent schedule of posting. I know I've been a little inconsistent, but persistence is key. Persistence is always key when we have ADHD and we have neurodivergency and hell, we just have a life. We live in this chaotic world with capitalism that insists upon us of a go, go, go hustle culture. And y'all, I'm chronically ill, I'm disabled, and my partner and I are doing everything we can. And it has caused a little bit of burnout on some areas of my life, including this show. But that does not mean that I haven't been thinking of you all planning and doing other work on the show that I can do on the back end that isn't as forward facing for you all. But I have not been as transparent as I would like to be. So I'm sorry that things have not been as consistent. I am here. I am still making episodes and we're going to continue having these conversations. So let's get into today's episode. Drum roll, please, because it feels like it's been forever since I've just talked to you all. And today's episode is a goodie and something I've been looking to talk to you all about, which is on call-out culture. Cancel culture, call-out culture, accountability culture. What are they and how do they work? And then what is this term call-in? And what is that? And I actually took an entire course at Smith with the Loretta Ross, the activist who is part of the forward thinkers of this work right now. She she co-founded Sister Song. She is a Black reproductive justice advocate, an incredible leader, definitely, you know, from another generation, but a guide nonetheless. And I was able to study under her and learn from her while I was at Smith and she had an entire course on this and she's writing a book on it and does lectures and other work. And so I will link some things below in the show notes for you to dig in a little bit more if you're interested, but I'm going to talk about it in perspective to the recent, what do we want to call it? What should we call it? The recent The recent backlash against Lizzo. Let's go there. Let's go there. The recent backlash against Lizzo and her song Girls. So let's break down what happened for those who don't know and for those who maybe do. And let's let's take an intersectional look at this. Lizzo releases her new song Girls. And within the first few lines, there is a slur. She uses a slur against disabled communities that has been you know, widely used in popular culture, widely noted. And I think some folks who are aware of problematic language, like myself and my partner kind of had like a sense that maybe it wasn't good, but we didn't know the history of it. We didn't know 
the backgrounds of it. And I found this to be true with a lot of others as I was watching this fall apart on social media, right? And so what happens is you immediately see white disabled folks with cerebral palsy actively speak out and say, hey, this is a slur. And then subsequently, their next reaction is to call for the canceling of Lizzo, not to listen to her music anymore. We should deplatform her because of this one mistake with like the immediate reaction, not the, oh, we're waiting some time and nothing has happened. Let's take this action. No, like you made a mistake. and now see you made a mistake. You're canceled. That's it. Then I turn to folks like Crutches and Spice, Imani, who also has cerebral palsy, is black and queer also, and others who are like, so what am I going to have to face now? The racism or the ableism or both, which of course it's both, but like what comes first? Of course, the racism. The racism poured out, the immediate desire to cancel this fat black woman in America who has gone through so much oppression herself just simply by existing, right? Don't have to take anything else into account. Just the fact that she's been existing in this world and they want to deplatform her. That's racism. Point blank period. There's no getting around that. That is bigotry. Okay? So while all of this is happening, right? We're talking about a matter of like 24 hours of this point. In the background, Lizzo, who is actively on social media, makes it very clear that she engages directly with her community, her fans, through her social media presence, was listening. And I don't know if she called people in on the background. She was calling for, like, professional support or she just strictly listened to her fans. But either way, she was listening to the community. And again, within like another 24 hours, so now we're at maybe like 48, maybe 72 hours here. She dropped the original track. People freaked out. Multiple reactions. She's listening. She re-records that part of the track, pulls it from everywhere, and then re-releases it with a, a heartfelt, sentiment-filled apology. And you can't find that track. Now, you might be able to dig for it, but like, it's not like it's a, oh, I have this cut and I have that cut. No, she recut the song. She said, this is not the song I want to have under my name. I will change the song. And you don't need those lyrics. The song flows so good. It's a wonderful song. I love the song. It's one of my favorites. My partner's going to hear it a lot this summer. and <laughs> They're rolling their eyes right now. I know it, which is so funny. But it's the way that she was able to respond. Because some people chose not to immediately jump down her throat and instead say, hey, let's talk about this. You probably didn't know. Can I educate you? Can we have community about this? Can we have conversation about this? And she listened. And in part of her apology, she said, as a fat black woman in America, she overstands. Like she doesn't just understand, she overstands. And I think that was a powerful word in her apology. She overstands the power words can have. Clearly. She never meant to hurt anyone, and with her platform, she's deeply committed to being the change she wants to see. She's part of this movement. She is in this work with us, as if we've needed her to prove it to us. But, you know, we make Black women do the most, the most of the most of the most. 
she's committed to using her platform. And and what ended up happening was that we all we all learned, but we'll get into that. So I think this example is a really good place to look at call out culture versus call in culture. Because we saw it on both sides. We saw her get called in by some and called out by others. So let's start with call out culture because I think that's the one we're most familiar with. We also sometimes call it accountability culture or cancel culture most popularly. And it came into popularity along with the Me Too movement on social media and folks everywhere, in particular women and Black, Indigenous, people of color and queer folks were all becoming more vocal in their treatment of how they were treated as marginalized people in America. And we use social media to garner backing and support and gain the community we needed to actually have a voice. And that inherently isn't bad. That inherently in it of itself was not a bad thing. But what grew from that and what took root from that because we did not plant it properly. We did not plant this concept in our field of dreams for our future in the right soil. We put it back in white supremacy. We put it back in dominance and violence and control. And we said, we're going to deplatform people. We're going to take away their power. We're going to, and like, there are absolutely times where that is appropriate. There are absolutely times where someone needs to be canceled. But if that's your first instinct to cancel everybody who makes a mistake, you are limiting your ability to build community, to grow together, and to actually have liberation. You're making it that much harder. Because you're not only limiting yourself to your opposite end, you're limiting the middle ground, and then you're limiting even the comrades closest to you. Because everyone has to be on and perfect all of the time. And who could live by that? Who could do that? Really? Honestly? So because we rooted it back in those norms, it grew to become these digital mobs, right? And I'm not going to go as far as what others might, but definitely when we're looking at how it's treated towards Black folks, it could be probably drawn towards a lynch mob. Let's just, let's just call it. Let's just say it. I'm not going to say it's always that way, but there is definitely mob behavior across the board. Because we're not using those practices of care. We're not using practices of trust, of vulnerability, or of compassion. It's not community. It's, it's othering. It's saying, oh, you made a mistake. You are now one of them. You are now put on the other side. You are a bad guy. I'm a good and you are a bad. It's a dichotomy that, we, that doesn't exist. Black and white does not exist. It's all gray. Shades and shades of gray. So as I said, like, well, yes, limits do exist. And we need to be able to, yes, deplatform people who have used their power to harm and shame and manipulate and, and hurt people. Victims. Absolutely. There's a time and place for that. But we're talking about these everyday interactions with our comrades with folks who are in the work with us, who, yes, maybe have a bigger platform than us. But Lizzo's not Beyonce. And we can get into Beyonce. That's a whole other conversation of, of fake, performative, liberatory politic. 
being used for capitalism still, especially with her new album release. But anyway, Lizzo is not Beyonce. Lizzo is Lizzo. And Lizzo is rooted in community, like deeply. She's made it, it's very clear she has made this a practice of her business to be rooted in community, to stay in touch with the community, to stay grounded. Lizzo's your bestie. Lizzo is, is a girl. She's one of your girls, one of your girlfriends. She is going to be there for you. That's the vibe I get from her. And I think seeing this response just makes me double down on it. And I'm not saying I am the vocal spokesman for everyone's opinion, especially I am not trying to speak for those with cerebral palsy. For folks who have been harmed by those slurs, I understand the needing for space to heal. But I think it's also possible to heal in recognizing that some people can take accountability and apologize genuinely for those mistakes. Not everyone who does things are out to get you. Sometimes it's a genuine mistake. And if we don't make space for that, because all we do is call out and cancel each other, where are we getting? How is that serving us and not them? I know that's some othering language, but I think you all get my point. So those limits exist, but I do believe that if we give space for community and for conversation, people can build up to tougher conversations through pace, education, time, community, compassion, just the things that take time to root. Sometimes folks aren't ready to have the deep abolitionist conversation, the deep communist conversation that has all of the levels of intersectionality and makes them face their power and privilege in weird and uncomfortable in new ways. But maybe they can get into a little bit of like, hey, isn't it kind of weird that like once someone serves their time, they can't also vote? Isn't that kind of weird? Doesn't it feel like once you do something wrong and you have served your time for it, done your quote unquote punishment for it, that there should be a space to come back to community and have a voice? Don't you think it's weird if you make one mistake? that you could lose your ability to have any voice in our supposed equal society. Like we can start there. We can start at those points where we do understand each other. And yeah, we're going to bump into places where people say things wrong, but we can't immediately jump down their throats. Truly we can build these conversations up if we use empathy and we come into it with a genuine interest in understanding where folks have come from to maybe believe these false sentiments or personally done terrible things themselves. We can work with folks to come together to understand why that happened and how to be better and why it's important. We can hold that space for each other and not everyone and not all of the time, but if we all together start adopting these practices and make it a, a norm, it becomes so much more sustainable. So to wrap up what is call-out culture, let's remember it's rooted in shame and guilt. It's so... <laughs> like who 
think about it. When you're in shame or you're in guilt, those feelings are present in your body. Do you feel open and receptive? Like, think about that. What is it that you need to be willing to be vulnerable in a space to hear that you've made a mistake and be accountable to it? What are the things that you need to be offered from community, from your loved ones, from yourself? Because we've all made mistakes. And if we think about it, we've probably all made big mistakes. And for my fellow abolitionist baddies, I want you to think about it this way. Think about how call-out culture is, how it's rooted in our like current criminal justice system. It follows the same type of framework. It's punitive. It's non-restorative. It's not healing. It doesn't help the people who have been harmed, and it doesn't help the person who did the harming to not do it again or to heal how they've been harmed that drove them to this thing. So call-out culture is clearly not working. Canceling people who could actually be our allies is not going to get us liberation. But myself and I think others believe call-in culture could actually be the key. So in comparison to call-out culture, which is like so icky and rooted in shame and guilt and fear, call-in culture is rooted in community care. It's rooted in love and it's seeking to nurture and give compassion to all of its community members. And really, in my opinion, and I think maybe for others, I would like to know what people think on social, you should tell me. It's an everyday practice of abolition. It's a way to like ingrain thoughts of abolitionist practices into your everyday life, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So calling culture, let's talk about it. When I think about the world we want to build, I think about the queer horizon, the the ever-growing space of love that we hope to cultivate. There are a few things that I think exist in that. And I think part of it is it's a space where we can openly communicate our grievances and that two things can be true. And ultimately that In that space, we could actually heal together from harm. Like the person who committed the harm and the person or persons who were harmed could actually find healing together. I think so often we forget that fear and pain and these toxic behaviors that we get from others typically stem from more fear and pain and negative feelings from the other end, from their own traumas, from their own negative experience from the own systems of oppression they face. And that doesn't justify bad behavior or harm caused, but there's more nuance than just good and bad, right and wrong. And so if we want to get to that place that has space for us to heal and grow together, we can't be amplifying all of the negativity that has happened in the harm because harm is created, more harm is created, more harm. We can't keep creating more harm, you know? And so this all connects back to Lizzo because what happened is what could have been a space for more harm because, you know, as she said, a fat black woman in America, she overly understands how words can hurt. 
And so what if she doubled down and was like, yeah, I overly understand and I don't care. Nobody cares about black women. Nobody cares about that black woman. So why would I care about this? No, she did not say that. Let me be very clear. She did not say any of that. But she could have. That could be a world that we live in. But Lizzo's not that person. And what happened was she got called out by some, but she got called in by others. And I'm, I'm sure of it. The folks who were coming in with love and care through social media, in her own team, in, in her world, however that manifested, she listened to the community directly and she made the necessary changes. And for those folks who called her in, to do that work takes a lot of love, takes a lot of respect, takes a lot of passion, takes a lot of patience and, and just really deep respect. Because you don't put yourself out there to go through the dirty work of helping someone else become better and get back in the dirt and the mud and the uck and have to be willing to take some of that negativity on and let them make mistakes around you and let them say things that could be harmful for you around you. You have to really love them. You have to really care about them becoming better. You also have to be really, really committed to their growth and development. And you know what? People loved Lizzo enough and Lizzo loved them enough back to make the changes and to do the work. And that's the power of Colin. Because, yes, it was awful that this happened. That people had to sit through this lyric and sit with the feelings of it being used against them in other times of their lives. That can be really painful. But what she opened the door then is because she expeditiously made these changes. And she grew and she learned. And she brought us all with her. Y'all, she brought us all with her to grow and learn. This mistake was awful, but she created space. And she helped us all actively talk about the prevalent ableist language in our society. We use ableist language a lot, like so, so much. So, 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 so much. I'm going to link one of my TikTok videos just to show you all a little bit of a taste of what I mean. But she started conversations amongst the larger society. She started conversations within the disabled community from intersectional perspectives from perspectives of folks with cerebral palsy to folks without cerebral palsy in the community between and then within like the racial dynamic of the cerebral palsy community. We all learned more about these terms and people were able to share their personal histories of this being used as a slur against them. And ultimately it brought folks together. It taught us more. It strengthened and built a little bit deeper of a foundation for folks to build together off of. So it was unfortunate and it was painful, but at the end, I think we got the absolute best case we could have gotten out of it. And I think it serves as really just a, a great example of how the practice of calling culture can be used and how it can actually heal us as a collective. Because yes, mistakes can be made, but healing can also be done. And so I want to encourage you all as we start to keep moving through the world after this episode start to notice and take time where call-in practices could be used or where maybe call-out and cancel culture is being used 
And y'all, the thing I want you all to sit on and reflect on is this. If you fucked up, how would you want to be approached about it? So I hope you all have some good conversations and thoughts after this. Please, 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 please find me on social media. Let's connect. I would love to know your thoughts. Okay. Much love y'all. I will catch you soon. I promise good things are coming and season one is getting closer to the end. Love you all. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Influencing the Influencers. If you like what I'm talking about, please be sure to subscribe and rate the show as it helps build our community. Speaking of community, be sure to check out our Discord for free and exclusive content. And I would love if you consider joining my Patreon to support my work as a creator. Much love, y'all, and I'll talk to you next week.